The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. What is this? Brave move these people. Back. Welcome to Subversive Cinema. Oh my god! I never forget a face. Especially if I'm sad on it. Welcome to the show, everyone. You got me, your host, Art Hall here, self-proclaimed wrangler of the weird, purveyor of the peculiar, and diplomat of the disturbing. This is the show where we talk about the weird, wacky, and just downright wrong entries in cinema history. And today is a bit of a doozy. It is from 2009, Tom Six's Human Centipede, the first sequence. And to discuss this Gem, I've got my good buddy, old friend, and cinephile, Chris Walls. Chris, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. Hello, everybody. And uh, Art, do, do they really call you all those things that you just said? Well, I actually said self-proclaimed, uh, if you were listening. So I'm glad to see we're off to a real good start. Um, yeah. Not paying attention at all, but, you know. It's just because I, yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Self-proclaimed and, uh, and everything that you do. Yep, that's pretty much it. Chris has known me a long time, so I'm sure there's going to be a definitive level of um, of just disrespect and uh, <laughs> just just you know not even not even you know honoring the the place on this this particular podcast. But that's okay. This is the story of us. So, my first question to you, Chris, is: You've never seen Human Centipede. Uh, are you happy that I made you watch this film? I, I wouldn't say I'm happy about it. I actually went into a depression directly after the movie ended uh, and I was done watching it. I had heard a lot about it when it was out and from you and a couple other people uh, about the human centipede and then the second and third and all the other ones came out, but I never watched them. Um, I just never had a desire to watch them. So, you know, now when I, uh, when I watched it, I understand all those reasons and more why. Uh, I did not have a desire to watch it. <laughs> well, I, I think you're uh, I think you're really sort of pigeonholing uh, what is arguably um, the uh, the piece of cinema that reinvigorated and and vitalized an entire subsection of of film, especially from the indie side. But before we get into that, let me just go down what we're doing here. Each of these movies that we bring to this show have what I call a subversive sauce. It's that little weird mix of magic and fucked up and just unique and whatever you want to call it that gives these films a certain quality. And our goal in this episode, Chris, is to discuss a few different sections of this movie and see if we can really narrow down what is it that gives it that subversive sauce and how spicy is that sauce. So I'd like to start first. Let's talk about the characters. Any particular characters stand out to you and why? What, what, what was it about them? You know, it was to, to me, there was a couple characters that stood out and, and, you know, one throughout the movie that stood out was uh, the girl who was the middle piece. Ah, yes. I believe, um, I, I, her name, uh, Lindsay, I, think I know was. Jenny was the other one. She was the, the back piece. I, the middle piece. I couldn't remember. I believe it's Lindsay. Lindsay. Yeah. Yes. Lindsay. Um, yeah, not, not tail piece, uh, uh, Jenny, but 
middle piece Lindsay. Yes. Middle piece Lindsay. She, she stood out the most cause she, you, you know, she was trying to save her friend. She was good hearted when she tried to escape. She didn't just try to run when she had an opportunity to go out. She went back for her friend. She, you know, that, that, that's, that stood out to me. You could tell that, you know, she cared and she was in a bad situation. So that, that stood out as well as the doctor who was a complete psychopath that also stood out. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, and I think he played, a, uh, you know, the, the, the actor who played it, played, played it to the T and, um, it was just overall, you know, it was very interesting. One of the things I thought was very funny that I thought would we would revisit later in the movie was in the very beginning when they got the flat tire. Um, and uh, this guy pulled up next to them in an old Mercedes, this old German guy who <laughs> thought they were porn stars or something like that. And I was like, you know, is this guy going to come back later in the movie? And he never did. He was just literally there. And, you know, it was it was very, very funny that they had a character like that in there who had nothing to do with the rest of the story. It was so random. I wonder if that, you know, because look, Tom Six, the, the creator of the film, is Dutch. And this movie is clearly placed in Germany. Yes. So you got this this dirty old man in a German car in Germany. And he's just talking some filthy shit. I have a porno of you too. Yeah. Right I'm like, I wonder if he's making some sort of indictment against Germany or or its citizens. Deeper I mean, is, yeah, it's deeper. Everything than is a broad bike. stroke. I mean, from the truck driver in the beginning who hops out with a roll of fucking toilet paper because apparently that's just what you do. Yeah, on the side of the road. He wasn't even private. No, it was the side of the road. He barely went to a tree. But what was funnier is you got you got um, Dr. Heider there parked. And then behind him, there's another car. So this is apparently just a place that people just go. So I got ahead of myself here. For those of you who have not seen the movie, you know, you've, or if you've listened to the first episode, you already know this is we just go through the movie. So here we have an introduction, Dr. Heider on the side of the road, mourning the loss of his beloved three hound, <laughs> three yeah, Rottweilers. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That he stitched together ass to mouth to create the three hound, which was his love. And he's he's just devastated. Cue in, this truck driver pulls in, goes to take it on the duty shit. Dieter gets out, and this is one of my favorite things about him. He surreptitiously hides his giant dart gun under his jacket <laughs> in a way that's not concealing it at all. <laughs> the barrel was sticking next to his head with it's the jacket on top of it. <laughs> so there's a couple things at play here. One. Um, we can assume that this is the side of the road that nobody ever goes on because that why else would the guy go and take a shit there and you know Dieter would be there and then secondly why is he hiding the gun when the guy is facing the other way I, I, anyway logic logic doesn't matter so that happens brings the truck driver back and he realizes he needs more people so and those people to make his his new three uh three piece creature come in the form of Lindsay and Jenny tourists from America New York who are visiting Germany going through Europe Car breaks down. Some reason or another, they go off the road and through the woods trying to find their way back, and they land up at his house. Next thing you know, they're tied to beds, and they're getting stitched to, or they're getting planned to be stitched to this truck driver. And then just hilarity and bad things ensue from there. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, Dieter's, uh, <laughs> Dieter's mannerisms, this man's clearly got not only a very interesting style of acting, he also has probably the most pronounced jaw I have ever seen yeah. from an actor. I can't stop staring at the sharpness of his face. It is out there. Um, but what I found to be wonderful from him in his performance is he actually even has a, uh, um, a moment where 
he mimics what he believes is to be a chicken. <laughs> this is second. I think this might even be better than Tommy Wiseau's version of making a chicken sound. Let's let's take a look at what that sounds like. Tommy Katz is a chicken today. What the? <laughs> sounds like he's choking on a piece of chicken. It, yeah, it's but um, yeah, that's endearing. <laughs> yeah, so that's endearing to me. Um, and you know, I always got to throw some love out to some of these secondary characters. Like I was like you did with the the dirty man in the car, which I love that you brought him up. The cops at the end, I, I like those guys more so. The the main cop, I believe it's Detective Kranz. It was so interesting because like all the actors in this movie, they turn out moments of really solid performance and moments of just not. That's just what happens. The sad thing is, as soon as these actors' mouths are are sewn to other assholes, then all of a sudden the acting goes through the roof. But uh, but when they're allowed to just talk, it, it gets a little campy, as we've seen with, with Dr. Hyder. But the detective, Detective Kranz, I was like, okay, look, they actually got a real actor for this movie. And he actually brought some gravity and some reality to the world. And then we went back into the insanity of people making bad choices. But we'll get to the bad choices when we get to the what the fuck factor, uh, maybe even in story. So any other characters? I mean, there wasn't a whole wealth of them in this in this film. So I know it's a pretty, pretty narrow lane answer. But uh, but any other ones? Uh, I mean, the, the, the front piece, um, the 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 other. Katsuro. Yeah, yeah. He um, I thought he he did, you know, considering the position he was in most of the, in the entire movie, uh, he did a phenomenal acting job. <laughs> no, he absolutely did. He was a very yeah. strong, very strong uh, character actor in this. Yeah. yeah, he he. I think he he did a great job, and and the character itself, I mean, was uh, he definitely was more of a three dimensional character, I think, than the other two, where you actually when when he made a speech at the end about you know, his life and decisions he made. And now this is why he is where he is. It was, it was a deep moment. So yeah, I, I, I like that character as well. So that stood out to me. You know, so uh, this is a great segue into the story portion of the show. As I already uh, broke down in the beginning, we got this story about these people who unwittingly end up in this psychotic doctor's house in the middle of nowhere, Germany, and they get stitched ass to mouth to, uh, this man we just mentioned, Katsuro. So that's what happens. And then it just, it becomes a movie about the doctor trying to train them into essentially becoming his new three hound, wants them to walk together, wants them to eat from a dog bowl, wants them to carry his newspaper. And everything seems to be going peachy keen. He's eventually starting to break them down a bit, you know, makes them eat and then gross things happen from there. Yeah. And then that's when uh, the cops come and that starts to derail the whole process. So, okay, for the most part, logic sticks on track. The only time I saw logic breaks are literally in the beginning when the two girls decide to go off the road. Why would you walk through the woods when you're trying to find a gas station or someplace else? I have no idea. Why would you go looking for a club that is apparently in the middle of the backwoods? What kind of club could there possibly be? <laughs> And then the other piece of logic that fails me, which is a real shame, is right after that magnificent speech that Katsuro delivers. He goes through all this fight, all this effort to, to rally the girls, get them out. He fights the doctor with the scalpel, brings them up the stairs. He, he's really leading the way. And then when the doctor catches up, and the doctor's all fucked up anyway, 
Then he's like, you know what? I'm going to take the easy way out. And he cuts his throat. Effectively, he is fucking those two women over. Yeah. Where's the logic in that? Why would yeah. you do that? <laughs> the only thing I can figure is maybe he thought because the doctor was there, even though the doctor was fucked up, that there was no way out. Like that was it. You know, no matter how much more he tried to fight, what was really ultimately going to happen to him anyway? He's got these girls, you know, uh, uh, sewn to his asshole. Where do you think, what, what is he, what's really going to happen? They're probably going to die in the surgery if they came out of it anyway. I'm not saying he thought that deep into it, but the reality is he probably just saw it as, you know, that, that, that was that. The doctor caught up to him. They couldn't get out of the house. He was trying to break the glass. And it was the first time he probably had something, you know, where he thought that, you know, he, he, it's the first time he had a weapon, access to a weapon that he could hurt himself with. Or is that not true? No, he had the scalpel. So he, he could have yeah. So why? Yeah, you're right. So well, he had the scalpel downstairs and he left it for the doctor. Now, that's that's a whole other thing just, about yeah, horror movies we can't uh, get I mean, into we're going too deep into this no i mean like that, well yeah that's in all horror movies why don't they ever finish the goddamn job you don't stab the bad guy once or twice in the leg and then run away you, you, you know you carve a hole in his face but no no he bit him in the neck that was something but they just left him there so yeah, yeah he, he he essentially gave the doctor the weapon yeah he he did so i, I don't know I mean, but yeah, I guess it came to a point where, you know, he just, he came to terms with his own life. But, you know, the, and the other thing that gets me about, you know, you let, I'm going to skip a little bit forward here to, to the end when a, everyone is dead and just the middle piece is still alive. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of these. That is harrowing. <laughs> oh yeah, that is singularly one of the most oh fuck moments I've ever had when I was in a the theater watching a movie and realizing this particular character is so screwed done now hopefully you could logic out and think okay police went back with a search warrant so that means people know they're there when the right. police yeah. don't turn up then eventually someone will get there and safer we could hope we don't know the movie just sort of pans out and that's it but that when you think about that situation to be in your best friend just died attached to your ass and then this other dude killed himself right in front of you yeah it's not a good place to be no, no, it's not. So, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. And I do want to mention the cops again. The cops did they did do a good job um, acting wise, for sure. Like when when they went into the pool area and like he had his gun pulled and he kicked the door and it was so dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was one of those. Yeah, they definitely the, rest of the movie. It looked like we were watching some sort of fucking cop movie. It's like we suddenly like, went back into like Michael Mann from the 80s. I was watching something from Manhunter or something. Yes. <laughs> so that was good. But uh, yeah, that's um, that's all I really have to say about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it, there's it, it, this this movie is it's sordid. It has a history, and you know this might be a hot take, maybe not, but it is how I feel. I feel that even when you take all of these little hiccups along the way, I mean, this is an independent movie for Christ's sake. I mean, they shot it on you know HD cameras, mm -hmm. um, you know, for a budget of like what a million pounds or euros or some shit like that, maybe even more. You know, but it's like. This is an indie film through and through, small cast, small thing, but it had a huge premise. And I think it was unfairly maligned simply because the concept was so, 
so dark <laughs> that that is the reason people seem to hang on to it and then say, oh, fuck this movie. It's it's terrible. It's bad. Look, it has its shortcomings, as I've said. But on the whole, especially because, Chris, you've already been proclaimed to be the ambassador for the entire trilogy. You're my guinea pig for the rest of them. And you will see that as far as an overall cinematic experience, this one is the most accessible. Look, there are a couple moments of some violence and some, you know, some graphic surgical procedures, but it's not, it's not really that graphic if you think about it. It wasn't. No. It's not I, like you're I watching Hostel or a Saw film. Yeah. I it's, thought it was going to be worse. I did. It's when so I much, you know what it is? It's doing the old rule of horror, which is what you don't see and your mind creates is infinitely worse. So there's enough glimpses here and there of how they were connected and the whole thing, but it's the concept that the person who's watching puts themselves into, what would it be like to have my mouth sewn to someone else's butt? And that's the only way I get to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that no is something I think makes it, makes it um, a bit maligned. But, you know, it's like, I, I just love how the story of this whole movie came about. Tom Six, he was saying in an interview that he had seen a child molester on TV back in Holland. And all he thought was, man, they ought to sew that fucker's mouth to the ass of a fat truck driver. That's what he deserves. And then that idea just kept popping back in his head. And he said, you know what? That's kind of not a bad idea for a horror movie. Might want to hold on to that one in my back pocket. And... There it was. In fact, it, um, <laughs> in fact, something he even did is he was trying to figure this out. He said he even took a, a, took a picture of his girlfriend at the time and photoshopped her on her hands and knees, right? And then photoshopped her ass to mouth like the three hound. So <laughs> just so he could start getting this visualized. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just an interesting, interesting history and wondering how they got these actors, you know, I mean, there was certainly a bit of um, there was a hesitance from the actors in wanting to do this, especially once they start hearing about the, you know, the content. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of actors who went in and went for these parts, as soon as they they got past the initial audition and they heard what was going to be happening, like, fuck it, I'm out. I'm done. But it speaks to, you know, uh, let's see, Ashlyn Yenny and uh, Akira, Akihiro Kitamura. Um, all these folks that what they they just said, you know what, we're gonna swing for the fence and see what happened. But uh <laughs> and, and they certainly did. I mean, you know, I think that it was uh like I said, uh, <laughs> you know, we say that they that the acting was was incredible, but it really was. They're they're attached to someone else's ass. I mean <laughs> it was just think of how that is all, all you know. Uh, it's amazing. They did a great job. One of the things that also got me about it, one of the scenes was, remember when they were climbing up the stairs and yeah. they, they they panned to a shot of one girl's mouth on his ass and you just see the blood coming out because you could see that they're straining and they're pulling on the yeah. stairs. That, that, just, that just gave me like, oh God, you know what I mean? Like, that's terrible. <laughs> it's the little things. It's the little things and the details that you really yeah. have watching and like you said it it didn't it didn't show anything it was just a white bandage with blood coming through it but it, it wasn't overly graphic but really it, it just it hit you a certain way yeah you know? look i get a lot of people have issues watching human beings suffer and i think that what what delineates watchable suffering versus unwatchable suffering 
is how realistic it is. You know, this movie, it, it has enough echoes in it that despite however they say on the poster, 100% medically accurate, I have a sneaking suspicion it's not. Um, that there's enough of this that this is that this is outlandish. It's not real. So I am watching actors act. You know, that's what I'm watching. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, it, it, that, that sort of softens the blow a bit. A fun thing I wanted to share um, from an interview, they were all having a discussion about how this movie was made. And the guy who played the doctor, his name's Dieter, that he was apparently a method actor and he would just stay in character the whole time. Oh. Um, and, you know, it's like everyone would keep telling him that, you know, you can relax. And he's just saying, no, no, no. It's like, this is, this is the reality of it. He's, he's chasing this vision of an anal retentive Nazi doctor is what he's going after to the point where all the other cast thought he was an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Their only thing is saying is like, yeah, Dieter was an asshole. So um, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be wonderful to see you get through the second one and uh, to see the actor Dieter's return as a different character in the third. So story wise, you know, let's just, let's just wrap up story. So we've, we've covered pretty much what happens. So did that, did it make sense, you know, or did you feel like this was a story that was just like, I don't fucking get it. I mean, to me, it made sense. It had a clear structure and it made, you know, but was there anything other than the logic hiccups that felt weird or? No, I think, I think it made perfect sense. And, and one of the things that got me about it is, you know, you read about these things every day on the news about people who disappear and just vanish and people who are kidnapped and, you know, some people are recovered and and some people aren't, and they just become missing persons forever. And it it made me really think about how, like, I'm not saying there's real human centipedes out there, but the fact of the matter is that there are people like that doctor out there who are, you know, psychopaths. I mean, he was what he was operating on Siamese twins. He was the top surgeon of, ta- of, of, of separating things. So he now had this obsession of putting things together, you know, it, mental health. When we really look at it as, as a whole, there's a lot of sick people out there and especially the people who made this movie, but I'm talking about in general, if we look at the story itself, not just the script and the people who made the movie, but the actual, the actual content of the movie itself, I believe there's people out there like that. Maybe not to do a human centipede, but maybe to do something else. And it was very realistic to me that something like that, close to that, could potentially happen in real life. So that was one of the scariest parts for me, is that it it was outlandish, but was it? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, I mean, you know, well, I guess I, I, yeah, I just don't want to say anything about part two then. Um, (laughs) I really don't. so yeah, do me a favor. Do not research that until until uh, we're ready to record the next episode. No problem. I will, I will not research that at all. <laughs> Did you? Were there any particular moments in the story that you found to be? Um, I don't know anything that just stood out as like a scene that was just memorable. And I'm not saying necessarily for a fucked up reason. Maybe there was something that was just darkly funny or just just absolutely memorable for any reason. The when 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 he was when they were in the um, dining room 
and the doctor was eating dinner and they were trying and, and told him to eat out of the bowl and the guy bit his leg. Yeah. <laughs> that, that scene to me was, you know, and then he kicked him in the face like three times to show his dominance. Like that was, mm-hmm. that stood out to me. And also when they, when, when he was pulling people's teeth out, that, that stood out to me as well for just a fucked up scene. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty, that was pretty brutal. The blood covered teeth and he was picking them out. That was, that was, that was pretty bad. Yeah. I know there's probably other really bad parts of the movie. I'm not bringing them up, but those are the things that stood out to me personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, what's tough about this one is there's so much about this film that's so visual and there's only, and, and then, you know, not all of it, but I'd say maybe 20% of the dialogue is like, is in German. So even in a medium such as this, it's, it's difficult to highlight any, delicious little bits because they're just going to be German. So for the German speak, German speaking audience members, they would appreciate it. But uh, what about his, his entire speech about describing the procedure? Yeah, that when, when, and it, yeah, and they were awake and he was telling them what he's going to do. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and I like how he plugged the movie name human centipede. Yes. <laughs> you, you so have to phase one or what, what, what was it? What was it? He uh, actually said first sequence. Yeah, he said he, first sequence. Yes. First sequence out, which was, you know what? I never noticed that until this time. You know, yeah. I just want to hear that one second. Let's hear this. The human centipede. First sequence. <laughs> oh my god that's great that was great that's great uh well here here's uh you know maybe this is part of the answer about the um the what the fuck factor the wtf factor um you know yeah tom six you know he still gets death threats for these movies so clearly there's a pretty good wtf factor in here to warrant such vitriol from the masses right I, I didn't know that really. I, I he does still get death threats from him, huh? Yeah, yeah. Now he hasn't made a centipede movie since uh, 2015, but I did read he has another movie in development called The Human Caterpillar. <laughs> How the hell that's gonna look? I don't know. I'm curious if like he's gonna stitch like ass to chest or something <laughs> I, I don't know i'm very curious how that one's going to work out so <laughs> I, I am definitely interested once i get through the next two um to see the human the the human caterpillar yes yes <laughs> i could say that for me there's i mean honestly look you, you can't even mind this movie all that deeply it, it sort of stands on its own <laughs> there's really you know, it's also, it's relatively well-known. Uh, and I, at this point, maybe there's some people who have started to forget about it. And that's why we want to bring this back to their attention. But I mean, clearly the idea of the centipede itself is a huge factor in the WTF. Um, the three dog, the three dog is amazing. Seeing the picture of the three hound and the fact that he has a little tombstone for it. It was. <laughs> it's, it reads, my love, three hound. Yes. And, the, and they showed it several times in the movie. Um, they did. They did. <laughs> they showed it several times. So yeah, that was uh, that was that was definitely that was definitely good. The three hound. I, I would like them to do a prequel to show how he did the three hound. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that would be uh, that would be in, maybe there's a short film somewhere that's Tom right. waiting to do. I'd like to I'd like to see where it all began. 
Yeah. I, I will say there are a couple little uh, outrageous things. I mean, you know, the, the what my my favorite outrageous moment of other than him putting because this is all, you know, Dr. Hyder coming up with these like weird ideas, hiding a, <laughs> the fucking gun under his jacket. So it's poking out. And then when he when he has one of the girls, uh, I think it's Lindsay stuck in the pool. He turns on the pool cover, yeah. which is just a floating cover. <laughs> she gets right up out of it. She's scared. Like, yeah, I, I mean, if they wouldn't have shown her getting out of it, then it would have been one thing, but they just owned up to what it was. Is like, they show these dramatic angles of this slow moving cover eking out of the wall. And then it just stops. And then she just pushes her way out. It's, it was so <laughs> anticlimactic. It makes you wonder what the fuck is this guy doing half the time? <laughs> That's true. That's true. The pool cover was pretty good. But I think anything that he did is really a, a huge WTF. I mean, it's great to read that they that he fancied himself a method actor because his movements were so rigid and wooden. They were. And he had these explosive tendencies that felt anything but naturalistic. <laughs> when he was yelling at the cops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he's... Oh, and then he's shaking the glass of water. He's trying to, I don't know why he's shaking it. And he's like splashing it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't understand where is his um, motivation came from, but I guess maybe he was just in the heat of the moment. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe. Fantastic acting though. Right. It was special. Very, very special. This movie also does have its fair share of truly disturbing WTF moments. Uh, I mean, like the whole sequence of feed her, feed her. Yeah. Was, I remember that was the first sequence I had seen in a theater. And I was just floored. I was, uh, I, I, I was, couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. It was so <laughs> gnarly just to consider what was happening. Feed her hard. <laughs> yeah. I think the line, maybe you can bring that up, Art. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? Let's uh, have a little bit of feed her. That was just excessive. (laughs) I I don't think he needed to demean her. I mean, the situation she's in is bad enough. Does he have to be a real asshole about it? (laughs) I don't know, man. That was a bad, that was a rough scene. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's this, this movie, it's, I, I, I can see how critics could zero in on things and not like it. But again, out of the trilogy, hands down, the most accessible of all of them. And I would honestly say probably the most horrific and and truly frightening out of them. Because again, you'll find out soon enough, Chris, but part two, it's just like taking a shot of adrenaline into this movie and saying, all right, well, this was the PG version. How do we make an NC-17 version? Fair enough. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't think this movie is getting its fair shake out, but um, that's, we'll, we'll let the audience decide for themselves. You know, Human Centipede, you can find this movie a lot of places. I think they have it on Netflix. They used to, at least. You can see it on streaming most of the time. Um, in fact, I believe most of them are available that way. So you know what? Judge for yourselves. But here's the most important question, Chris. How saucy is that subversive sauce? 
<laughs> uh, I realized after the first episode, by the way, I need to expand the range of this because I was trying to go up to a level of five and that's just not going to work. We got to go to, we got to have a one to 10 level of spice here because some of these movies are just going to constantly be hitting in the upper bracket. So if I don't have room to grow, then every movie is going to be a four or five out of five. So we're going to give on a scale of one to 10. Let's be real here. Personally, for me, this one in all of its fucked up nature, you know, we're not talking necessarily in this show about great movies. We're not doing that. We're talking about the subversive fringe shit. So in regards to that, I'm going to have to say this one's probably around a five or a six. I figured you would say that and you're, you're more uh, exposed to these type of films than I am. So for me, I, I would put it as a seven. And the reason I would, I would put it there and not higher is because it wasn't as graphic as I thought it would be. Um, and as unrealistic as it is, it was sort of realistic. <laughs> like if that's the best way to, I, I know it makes no sense to put it that way, but I could, uh, but I, I would put it at a seven um, just based on, you know, the type of movies that I typically watch, which are more, you know, mainstream and uh, not as horrific as the human centipede. Well, we're going to make sure that we introduce you to all sorts of wonderful films. I, yes, you are. I have the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said that with such joy. <laughs> looking forward to that. Well, looks like we cracked the case. Luckily, our mouths and assholes are free of other mouths and assholes for the time being. Um, I hope the same is true for all the listeners out there. And if this episode didn't entirely turn you off, we hope to hear from you again next week. Chris, I want to say thank you for taking the time to come out and chat about this and for putting yourself through that movie and a preemptive thank you for putting yourself through all the ones coming down the road. You're welcome, I think. Yeah, that's definitely a question. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in. And until next time. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.